Good evening, and welcome to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noel Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This will be a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or some that ran only one episode. And as they say, all ghosts have unfinished business. Stay doomed's unfinished business is the Razzie Awards. With me, as always, it's TV's Noah Houlihan. First, I'll cast Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. Create a great movie around a, a franchise that everyone knows. Adjust the calendar so it releases on Tuesday. Forget about it being a bomb. It's a bomb! Forgot it's a bomb. Yep, we are doing Razzie Award-winning Holmes and Watson. This one took the big prize. It's amazing. We did Razzie Month, and there was one we couldn't do because this movie was in theaters at the time. Yes. And uh, it ends up winning. Yeah, there is a joke about how one of the reasons it was put out so late in the year was so that it would miss most critics' worst of 2018 lists. That makes sense. This movie is bad. It fails and at doing that. This movie fails on pretty much every level. Well, it also fails to miss those lists because it topped a lot of worst of and it 2018 won the, lists. And it won the Razzie. And it won the Razzie. So, so. it won the ultimate bad movie yeah, so. prize. So if you want to watch this one, uh, you, you're going to have to... There's not a link to it, sorry. But uh, if you want to get it from the red box like we did, or I think you can buy it off of like iTunes or Amazon Prime. Don't know why you would want to do that. No. But, but you can. That's a thing you can do. This movie is aggressively by the numbers. Yes. And does... But it's like a color by numbers that you give to your little brother. And you give him like... Four crayons to do a ten-piece color by number. And his motor skills aren't very good anyway, because he's two. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is red. That's number one. You don't have a yellow, so make that red, too. And... Uh, Will Ferrell's in it, kid. You'll be fine. Yeah. Everybody loves Sherlock Holmes. <sighs> so I love Sherlock Holmes. This movie hurt me physically. Yeah, I could tell as we're... Watching it. I almost said enjoying it, but that's an incorrect statement. Like, I have to explain something to you about Sherlock Holmes. If the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes is on in my parents' home, they will stop what they are doing and watch it. Yes. It's been on TV 36 million times, and that is the number of times I've probably seen that film. Yes, I have that uh, relationship with the film Big. Yes. If it's on, I was just like, ah, this, this is staying on. It's big. For me, it's that one, the first Harry Potter movie, and Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park's another good one. Holmes and Watson, not one of those. No, Holmes and Watson, I would look for the remote the same way you would look for the remote if it was a scary thing you didn't want to watch. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I personally believe you can do Holmes and Watson, or Sherlock Holmes, as a comedy. Oh, I have proof that you can. And they approach like all these very unique angles to... Sherlock Holmes throughout this film and if they'd committed to any one of them they could have had a decent film but they don't 
And as we go through this film, I'll point out all the better movies this could be. So get excited, kids. Are you familiar with the movie Without a Clue? Without a Clue? Yes. No. Michael Caine and Ben Kingsley. I am not familiar with this. Uh, Ben Kingsley is Dr. Watson, and uh, Michael Caine is Sherlock Holmes. Really? Yes. Michael Caine is a drunk and a moron. Huh. Ben Kingsley is a brilliant detective. So it's Sherlock Holmes essentially being the front man for Watson being the real detective. And it's a farce. Yeah, that's one of the ways I was going to go. So when you said like... have Watson be the the genius and Holmes just be the front man. And that's something that they kind of play with in this movie. A little bit. But yeah, like, not only do I know they could make one, I have literally watched the film when they make it. So let's let's go through this. We start with them, or we start with Sherlock Holmes as a child. We start with an epigraph credited to Hannah Montana. Oh, yeah, weird. Yes. I mean, like, kind of funny, and this is will be a theme of this, is one of the big jokes is you're in the future and you know things about the past. Yes. <laughs> right? So, yeah, we have a Hannah Montana quote for some reason. Then we have Child Sherlock Holmes. Young Sherlock Holmes. Again, a better film. Yeah. And he gets picked on. Yeah, like, but to the point of, like, cruel, cringe comedy. Yeah. Like, it's not funny, it's not clever, it's so over the top that it's... Yeah, every single child is in on a prank to make him kiss a donkey's ass. Yes. An ass ass. Yes, because he's in love with a classmate named Bridgette. Yeah. And he decides that he's going to shut down all emotion and focus on his studies instead. So by having no emotion, he becomes brilliant. Yeah. Well, he also gets every other student expelled. Yes. Because he uses his powers of deduction to prove all of them were breaking the rules. Yes. So all of his teachers are only devoting their time to him. Yes. And thus he becomes brilliant. Which... Honestly, not the worst setup for Sherlock Holmes. The idea that, like, there are no other students, so he just gets all of the knowledge. Kind of a silly way to do it. Yeah. Not the worst thing in the world. But I could have done without all of this. Yeah, and it it also is kind of a weird thing, because the movie does bring in Mycroft. Yeah. And... The whole thing is, like, it's just a weird Holmes family trait that they're good at this stuff. Because Mycroft is canonically as brilliant, if not more brilliant, than Sherlock. Right. He's just lazy. Well, here's, like, a a weird thing I want you to consider here. They kind of take advantage of the idea that no one is going into this film going, who is Sherlock Holmes? Correct. However, they still felt the need... To do a Sherlock Holmes origin. Yeah. So, what is the per... And to do it wrong... Like, I get it's a comedy. But, like, to do it wrong seems very strange. Because I'm, I'm trying to think of other adaptations of Sherlock that I can just think of off the top of my head. And most of them don't bother. Right. Because why would you? Outside of, obviously, young Sherlock Holmes, which is entirely an origin story. But, like, imagine being like, all right, we're going to do a funny Tarzan. Tarzan, as a young boy, 
always pretended like he wanted to be in the jungle. So he ran away from home into the jungle so he could be there. Like, that's not the origin of Tarzan. No. You still end up in the same place. Yeah. But why do that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, even George of the Jungle, which is funny Tarzan. Yes. Doesn't bother with that. Yeah, why, why bother to tell the story wrong? So... The next, we then get back to the present, well, the contemporary time, which we can assume based on context is meant to be 1910, 1911. I mean, you can find the exact date that this is supposed to be set because the Titanic set sail in this film. Right. And that's my next point. Who is the queen in this film? Who is the queen? In this film. An old woman. Okay. Do you know the name of the queen? No, I feel like they just said the Queen. I don't remember them actually giving her a name. So it's Queen Victoria. It's okay. clearly Queen. I believe uh, John actually does, or Watson actually does call her by name. Okay. Queen Victoria died in 1901. The Titanic set sail in 1912. Ah, <sighs> That's like an 11-year discrepancy. Yes. I'm cool. like double check. Yeah, no, I'm double checking it. Yep, she died in 1901. Well, that's lame. So, like, that kind of shows you how lazy this film really is. Yes. Like, they don't bother even trying to keep anything, like, factually close. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to point, point this out now. But I was going to point it out later. It felt like they didn't have a full script. Okay. It felt like there are many scenes where it's Will Ferrell does something funny is all they wrote down. Right. And I remember like watching a thing about me, myself, and Irene Mm -hmm. where there were pages of scripts that just say Jim does something funny. And they believed that Jim Carrey could just pull off something funny to fill time. Could you imagine that kind of pressure? I mean, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. And, like, to not come through on the level that this movie does. Yeah, I mean, just yikes. Yeah, George V was the king when the Titanic sailed. Hmm. So, like, but George V, like, I had to look that up. Yeah. So, like... But it took you 20 seconds. (laughs) But what I'm saying is a layperson, or even a person who knows a bit about history, would recognize Victoria easier. They all kind of just tried to hit on this time period of like, that's why I said 1910, 1911, because the Titanic had not yet set sail. Right. They were like looking at it because it was supposed to be this cool thing. But I guess it starts to set sail at the end. It set sail at the end of this film. Okay, so we're clearly in early April 1912. Yeah, you have the date that this this movie ends at least. Yeah, April 12th, I believe, is when the Titanic set sail. So... Uh, getting back to, to the events of the film, we get a scene where Moriarty is on trial and Holmes has the evidence that will convict that Moriarty. will convict him. But he's too busy like practicing his entrance and choosing his outfit. Yes. So Watson has to like, come on, let's go. And this is the first time they play with the idea of Oh, what this movie's going to be is Sherlock's an idiot, Watson's the real genius. 
And then this idea vanishes. And then they have the sight gag with the Make England Great Again hat. Yes, a Make England Great Again fez. Yes. How stupid and dated is that? Yeah, like, it kind of is one of those things that guarantees this movie would not have a life outside the 2010s. This made it feel like a date movie, epic movie, uh... What were the hell were the other ones? Meet the Spartans. Yeah. Those terrible movies that came out every year where it's just like we're parroting every movie that came out this yeah. year. Yeah, Scary Movie and Not Another Teen Movie did it fairly well and then all the other ones just were this avalanche of terrible. Yeah. It, it felt like one of those jokes. Because like, it's not a joke. The it's Starving just, Games. Yes. It's not a joke. It is just, hey, look at this. Topical reference. Look at it. I hate it. Uh, we meet Mrs. Hudson. Right. And she retrieves a box and tells Sherlock it came for him. And then they open the box and there's nothing in it. Oh, but there is something in it. There was something in it. And now it's flying around the room. Yes, it's a mosquito that has some sort of virus in it. Yeah, it's infected with some sort of African virus. And uh, we get a very long, very stupid slapstick scene. Yes. Here are the the important notes of it, though. He tells uh, Watson, Now, dance a Dutch jig. You don't have to ask me twice to do a Dutch jig. But why? Your body heat will attract him to dine on your flesh. Brilliant. Help! So it's very important to note, Sherlock Holmes is actually smart. Yes. That will be contradicted many times later throughout the film. And two, they do the thing from the Robert Downey Jr. movie, where it's like... Angle of approach. Compensate for warping floor. Count for resistance due to dust modes. Probable outcome. Termination of mosquito. That is not a Sherlock Holmes thing. No, this is... Seeing... This is a way to cinematize the power of deduction Sherlock has. Yes. Which is why they did it in the Robert Downey Jr. movie. They do this a couple of times. Yeah. This is also, I believe they use this in Stranger Than Fiction. Kind of, yeah. They do something similar to this in Stranger Than Fiction. So I wonder if it was like kind of a double reference. But like, it feels weird to be like, this is not the Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Holmes and Watson. This is something else. But they are going to do the same thing. Yes. So, I mean, it's kind of the equivalent of someone else is playing the Joker, but they're still asking how they got these scars. It's like, no, if you're going to do something else, do something else. Right. I mean, yeah. Sorry, I was trying to think of, like, the idea of an homage, but, like, this is too much to be an homage. Yeah, it, it's not a reference because it's a plot point. Right. So So they get there just in time. Watson comes in gun blazing and like shoots the head off the gavel and... And shoots, several humans. Uh, it shoots up into the gallery because yeah. we see somebody fall dead out of the gallery, which is that very like adult swim. It's funny because he gets dead humor. Yeah. Um. And then Sherlock enters and accepts a huge round of applause. Yes. Uh, Moriarty, and this casting pains me, Rafe Fiennes plays Moriarty. Huh. 
Rafe Fiennes would be, in any other film, an excellent Moriarty. And yet he almost never speaks in this film. Yeah, like, it. he's the epitome of a wasted casting. Because, like, if the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes had cast Rafe Fiennes' Moriarty, I would have read that on the onlines and gone, yeah, yeah, makes yeah, sense. sounds cool. good. Do you, Voldemort? So, like, this casting is supremely wasted. So Moriarty, who we think is Moriarty, is allegedly a doppelganger who is terminal and is being a patsy for the real Moriarty. Yes. This is angle they could have taken, number two, that would have made this film work that they just abandoned. I thought where they were going with this was Sherlock Holmes is only famous when he's catching Moriarty. So for Moriarty to go to prison would make him useless. So he is freeing Moriarty, so there will be more crimes to solve. Basically, the mystery man plot. Okay. My thought here was the Pink Panther, like the Inspector Clouseau films. Okay. Because I thought that what they were doing was, he eventually gets it right, but he goes about it completely wrong. Okay. So that, like, he was hapless and stupid, but arrived at the right conclusion. Yes. The look-well approach. Yes. So there's we now have three angles that would have worked on this film. Right. And it doesn't work. Um, there's also this other character that I don't know if it's from Sherlock Holmes. You know the, the lore better than I mm-hmm. do. Who starts like screaming like, you're letting Moriarty go. Inspector Lestrade. Lestrade? Yes. The cop? Yes. Is Lestrade like canon? Yes. Okay. Uh, Lestrade is the, like, the police friend. Of Holmes and Watson, or Holmes and Watson, yes. And he is not incompetent. He's just really incompetent next to Sherlock. Okay. So is he a Commissioner Gordon? Kind of, yeah. Okay. He's Inspector Lestrade of Scotland Yard. He's kind of like Holmes is in. Another great angle this film could have taken is you may think that Sherlock Holmes is the greatest detective. He's not. I know because I was there. And tell it through him and show all the mistakes that Holmes makes that he cleans up. That would have been a fine angle to take at this. Yeah, having Lestrade be the hero. And yeah. Because especially canonically and well, adaptationally, Lestrade is always really put upon. Like, Lestrade gets treated really poorly in most adaptations. True. So, like... Um, I said true, but I just admitted earlier that I didn't know this character, so I lied. I'm sorry. So then they're home and they look for Mrs. Hudson. What is this scene? Alright, so Mrs. Hudson is canonically always Sherlock Holmes's housekeeper. Okay. So she is a canonical character. Right. Uh, she's entertaining a gentleman. But there's this moment where they're like, they call for her and they scream like, Where's my opium? Uh, oh. Mrs. Hudson! 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 Watson has stuck a carrot up my butt! Hudson! Help! Fire! Call the police! Hudson, your mother has died! You brain-dead bag of bones! Hudson! Hudson! Hudson, where are you? Like, they yell just all these insane things. Because comedy... Comedy is loud? Them trying to, like, recapture the stepbrothers' yes. magic. 
that is something I'm going to talk about at the end of this. So then the queen, who is um, billed as Queen Victoria, like she is Queen Victoria right. in the credits, pages Holmes and Watson to come to uh, Buckingham Palace for, you know, reasons. Right. It's a surprise birthday party. Yes, that Holmes knew about. Because he's Sherlock Holmes. And the only line that has made me laugh happens at this point. Okay. Holmes finds a receipt for a nice bottle of champagne that Watson has bought. And he's like, you don't have the self-esteem to buy yourself nice things. Yes, and and <laughs> Watson agrees. Watson's like, you're right, I'm a monster. Or, right, I'm scum. Like, yeah. And that's another big theme, is Watson have re- having very poor self-esteem. Yes. Because he's a John C. Riley character, and they only get two kinds of personalities. Lots of self-esteem that they don't deserve, or no self-esteem. Yeah, that's common. Yeah. And when he's with Will Ferrell. He's, he's done some great movies. Oh, I'm thinking of um, Amos in Chicago as being the type of this. Like, oh, okay. I'm thinking of Mr. Cellophane. So they have a giant magnifying glass cake and they have difficulty cutting it. Because there's a body in it. Yeah, there's a corpse in the cake. Um, and a note from Moriarty. Yes. And once again... Sherlock Holmes is quick to say, ooh, someone is impersonating Moriarty because Moriarty has escaped to America. Right. And, like, as an audience member, we're thinking he's an idiot. Yes. But, like, we're not sure if we should put our faith in him at this point. So I'm still unsure what the angle this film is trying to take is. Right. And it's not going to become clear at any time. So this is when they go to the morgue, right? Yep. So it is way too long on whenever Sherlock Holmes sees a body, he throws up. Yeah, he's very squeamish and can't handle being in the morgue and throws up a whole lot. (sighs) And then we meet our two female leads. Yes. (sighs) Yeah, I knew you weren't going to be a big fan of this. I sure am not. Um, so, we have first we have Grace Hart. Right. Who is an American doctor doing pioneer work. And then we have her aide, Millicent. Who is she? Who plays Millicent? Yes, because I spent the whole movie being like, I know this woman. An actress by the name of Lauren Lapkus. She is Vivian, the assistant who dies horribly in Jurassic World. Oh, okay. Man, she knows how to pick these parts. Uh, she's Jess in Crashing. Um, I'm looking at her other... She was Denise in The Big Bang Theory. Okay, I'm just like looking through this and I don't think she has enough credits to be super picky. Okay. So I'm sure she's just taking whatever is paying the bills. Gotcha. She's also on another period as Penelope. That's probably how I know her. Probably. She's been on, like, Crashing and Kroll Show. Okay, so she's like a comedy... Oh, she's been in a couple episodes of Key and Peele. Okay, alright. That's making sense, then. Yeah, she's like a that person. She's like a hey, is that lady actor. Yeah, com- uh, a character actress. Yes. Gotcha. So... She is intellectually disabled. Yes. And Sherlock Holmes is unable to detect this. 
and is enraptured by her. Despite Grace Hart saying she is intellectually disabled. Yeah. Um, so it's just confusing. And there's also this whole sequence where they're, like, confused by the idea of female doctors. Yes. Like, Holmes deduces, like, they think that they're assistants in the morgue, and Holmes is like, no, 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 she's way too well-dressed. She's here to identify her wealthy husband. Yes. The, the idea of there being a female doctor is confusing. Which I guess would be true at the time. Yes. But still, it's just kind of like, it goes on for too long. Like, you could have just, you could do this joke. But to do this joke, it shouldn't go on for this long. And she should immediately get the better of him. Yes. Like, that's how you do that joke. They don't do that. They just drag it out like, Dr. Grace Hart of Boston. A woman doctor. What times we live in. (laughs) Yes. In America, we are much more progressive. I now make 30 cents for every dollar a man earns. What does doctor mean in America? It means doctor. You're Dr. G. Hart of Boston. Yes. Holmes, we're in the presence of a pioneer. Dr. Hart's work with the use of electroshock therapy to cure female hysteria is groundbreaking. Well, yes, I, I prove the higher the voltage, the more demons are released. Well, of course. Some of my patients live as long as a week. Doctor, spelled D-O-C-T-O-R. Yes. There's also, like, a dumb... Again, go put on my history hat here. Her research is in hysteria? Mm-hmm. But the, like, common fix for hysteria was invented in the 1880s. Huh. So, like, this is out of date as well. Hysteria had, like, an established remedy by that point. Gotcha. You know what that is? No. Vibrators. Oh, cool. Yeah. Vibrators were invented to cure hysteria. Hysterical. (laughs) Yeah, there's a whole, there's actually a whole play about it called, like, In the Next Room or The Vibrator Play. Ah. Facts. I was going to say Liz Estrada. Um, so... Thank you to the three people who laughed at that. Um, so then, like, in the morgue, Grace asks Watson if he's ever thought of being co-detectives with Holmes. Before we get to that... Yes. There's something I want to point out here. Uh, there's a moment where they're walking down and they're talking about being doctors. Because they're both doctors. Yes. And they say something like, We are truly in the golden age of medicine. There's nothing left to learn. No. (laughs) Yeah. This is the fifth angle this film could have taken. Sherlock Holmes is the smartest man alive in a time where everyone's an idiot. Yeah. So to do it that way, you still have to make Sherlock Holmes at the top of the pile. Yes. But just everyone's dumb. So it's just like, yeah, he's really smart in a time where no one was smart. Right. Okay. They fail at that angle, too. So then they do a ghost parody over the body? What? This is so confusing. Complete with Unchained Melody playing? Yeah. This scene is weird because Watson is so inconsistently characterized at this point. He was the same person keeping Holmes on time in the first scene. And then we see him as, like, somebody with no self-esteem. And then we see him successfully having sex with a woman he has just met. Yes. 
By wiping cape off of a cadaver. Yeah, like, this is a very strange... Like, the movie can't decide what it wants Watson in particular to be. Has there not been an iconic sex scene since Ghost? Ghost is a what? An 80s movie? Early 90s. Early 90s. So it's still 30 years ago. Yes. For an audience that's 18. Yeah, Ghost was 1990. So, like, if your audience is 18, this was 10 years before they were born. Yeah. Like, this is the best you could pull out for this scene? I'm trying to think if I can think of a more, like, a newer iconic sex scene. Like, what's the iconic, like, movies these days? Is there a sex scene in Twilight? Do Fifty Shades. Yeah, it's true. If you're going to parody something, do that. Yeah. Like, this is my red room. Yeah, you know, you could have done that. Yeah. Easily. And you could have had, you know, it would have fit the 2010s, like, meta setting a little better. I think the thing with Ghost is it has a very key piece of music to it. Yeah, I so guess. So I think they just wanted to use Unchained Melody. Yeah, but like the the smearing the cake off the body is very similar to the playing with the clay. Yeah. Like it invokes all those things. It's just such a failure that you need to make that dated of a reference to make your movie work. Like, it just reeks of laziness. Yeah, I mean, when you think about how old Will Ferrell and John C. Riley are, like, that was probably, like, a sex scene they saw early in there. Oh, of course. But I think they need to recognize as human beings that that's not the audience. Right. Like, I mean, we do conventions all the time, and, like, there's a reason that when I go to an anime convention, I'm like, I don't get on stage. I'm like, yo, so who's seen Speed Racer? Yeah, where are my Astro Boy fans at? Like, no. (laughs) I go where my Sailor Moon fans at because they never went away. That's because it's still on. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. But, like, I'm not going to go out there and start, like, pulling out the deepest of deep cuts anime. (laughs) So then we have, um, you know, they come out and say what they found and... Um, Watson and Hart are clearly, like, rumpled. They've clearly just had sex. And then we kind of cut to a dream sequence. Yeah. And it starts with Watson and Hart playing, like, an erotic game of chess. Oh, because, uh, Watson pitches being a co-detective to Holmes. Yes. I laughed at this scene. He first pitches... When we arrive home, I propose a game of chess. If I should best you... Then surely I possess the mental power. Checkmate! Checkmate! What? Haven't started yet. You would have opened with the Queen's Gambit. Indeed, a reliable first move. I would have countered with a Slav defense. An audacious move, quite unexpected. You would have panicked, thus exposing your Queen. No, not my Queen! Seeing your Queen exposed would have compelled you to defend her. Indeed, it's my duty in chess as in life. Thereby neglecting my castle. Checkmate. Perhaps another game. Rock, paper, scissors. 
Rock, rock, paper, paper, scissors, paper, rock, scissors, paper, rock. Dash it all! What about battleship? D3, E3, F3, and G3. Damn it! You sunk my battleship! You're a good man, Watson. But you're not ready. That's a funny concept. Uh, and, you know, I got a giggle. But, like, I saw that joke years ago in Futurama. Yeah. <laughs> so then we have this dream sequence where uh, Watson's playing chess, but it's like an erotic game of, like, strip chess. Yes. With Dr. Hart. Every time one of them loses a piece, they lose an, ar- an article of clothing. And then right as Hart is about to remove her blouse or her bra or whatever, uh, she morphs into Holmes going, you're never going to be co-detective. Yes. Holmes dreams of ice cream and Millicent. Yeah. Like dreams just simple, like the dreams you would expect like of a dog. Yeah. It's it's a scene that happens. Uh, and then the next day we have the sequence where Holmes is working on an antidote to poison. Yeah, and poisons Watson. Yes. Because he believes, he's like, I'm pretty sure this is what killed that cadaver. I'm going to try it on you as a test subject. It's mostly an excuse to make John C. Riley do a lot of physical acting. Yes. Now, before we get into all the wackiness here, uh, this kind of feels like a decent spin on Holmes and Watson. Mm-hmm. Because Holmes does bad things to Watson. Like, I think about Hounds of the Bastervilles, where he sends uh, Watson to the Bastervilles, which he believes is has a monster in it, just so Sherlock Holmes can sneak around and observe. Yeah. So the idea of, like, Holmes using Watson for his own gain, there's a precedent for. Yeah, and then, like, Holmes figuring out how to, like, fake his own death, um, which is a repeated theme. He fakes his own hanging in the Robert Downey Jr. He fakes a fall from a great height in the uh, BBC Sherlock. People are still mad about that. Um, So then they decide they're going to go into the seedy underbelly of London to try to find out who poisoned this man. And find out who this man was. So they go to a bar. Well, let's first talk about the disguise. Oh, okay. Because Holmes puts on a fake mustache and Watson immediately doesn't recognize him. Yes. And it's kind of funny. It's a scene we've seen before. Yeah. It's not a new joke where he takes the mustache off. He's like, no, it's secretly me. (gasps) And then he puts it back on and Watson almost punches him. He's like, no, 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 still me. And it's like, okay, that's funny and all, but, like, you also tried to establish that Watson's the smart one. Yeah. And, like, you also tried to establish that they're equals. Yeah. And now he's clearly a moron. Yeah. What are we doing with this film? What, the characterization of Watson is probably one of the worst things about this movie. Yeah. In a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But they never decide who Watson needs to be. So he's just whatever is convenient for the joke, and that's one of the reasons he doesn't work. Yes. So they get super drunk. Yes. Oh, well, also, they're in the slums because they have deduced that a one-armed tattoo artist is the one who gave the tattoo that killed the person in the cake. Yes. Were we supposed... Was this supposed to be a fugitive reference? Maybe... 
Because after the ghost thing, I was just like, what are they doing? Who is this film for? Yeah, I didn't catch that, but, like, I'm not ruling it out either. Uh, in what is another, like, decent joke? He's like, we'll, we'll find our man. And he goes into the bar and he says, I want to buy a beer for anyone who can put two arms in the air. Oh, he's not here. Like, the idea that, like, that's his plan, kind of funny. So they get super drunk. And then they get drunk. Because they're going to, like, fit in. They're like, we have to keep drinking. We need to blend in in case he shows up. They pee on stuff. Yes. They do that bit with the, like, Sherlock vision again where he's, like, figuring out the exact angle he needs to pee at to not hit his shoes. But then he forgot to take his pants off. Or forgot to unzip his pants, so he just gets it all over everything. Stupid. It's a very sophomoric joke. Then they send a drunk telegram to Grace Hart, which is kind of funny. It's kind of funny in that it's a a drunk text. Yeah. But, you know, this is the 1900s version of it. What are you wearing, stop? Yes. That idea is funny. Yeah. Too long. Yep. Has no point being in this film. Nope. Has zero repercussions. Like, does she ever say, like, I got your telegram? I, I believe it. they do, actually. Um, I, I believe they do. Oh, I, not that I, I don't recall that that happens, and it's not important enough to this weird, terrible plot that they're telling. So, they're super hungover the next morning. Like, they never went home. Right. And they go to a boxing ring. Now, canonically, Holmes is a boxer. Right. So this is like a normal thing for him to be a boxer. Um, and then Noah finds out that Braun Strowman's in this movie. Braun friggin' Strowman shows up because it's a trap and Moriarty is now forcing them to fight Braun Strowman. I laughed so hard at you not knowing that. And his name is Braun! Yeah, I mean, they didn't hide it. So Braun Strowman, WWE superstars in this film, and he has to fight John C. Riley and Will Ferrell. First off, I'm immediately pissed off that they didn't show up on Raw in character to solve a mystery. They could have. It was the Christmas episode. No one saw it. Yeah, that'd be fun. Second, the scene goes on too long. Yep. You're going to hear that a lot. And they they beat Braun Strowman by hitting him with a chair, I think. I did like that he does the Sherlock vision of the fight. And then it doesn't work because Braun doesn't do exactly what he's supposed to have done. Yes. Like he throws his pipe up in the air and his plan hinges on Braun looking up and being distracted. Instead, he throws his pipe in the air, it hits Braun in the arm, and Braun just looks at him and then right. beats the crap out of him. Um, yeah, it's Sherlock and Braun are going to fight, and then Watson hits him repeatedly from behind with a steel chair. And then they, they tackle Moriarty, and it's not really Moriarty. It's someone wearing a Moriarty beard. It's the, uh, it's the Patsy. Yeah, it's a Patsy. Musgrave, the terminal Patsy. Right. So at this point, it's like, oh, 
So Sherlock's right the whole time. Yes. Okay, so I guess he's actually brilliant. Okay, surely the next scene won't negate the fact that Sherlock Holmes is brilliant. Oh boy. (laughs) And that we can actually believe in him. And then we have the scene with the selfie. The next scene is them taking a selfie with the queen. And then they accidentally hit her in the face. So they think she's dead. Yeah. Because Watson checks her pulse and tells Sherlock he's dead. She's dead, rather. So they go through a comedy of errors pretending that she's dead. Or, or like, trying to, like, hide the fact that she's dead. And the plan is to cut the body up into pieces... And, and throw her in the toilet. down the toilet. Yep. And the royal guard shows up. And to the... find Holmes and Watson standing over her with a bone saw. And then she just sits up and she's fine. Yeah, she no-sells it. Sherlock Holmes was proven to be brilliant a moment ago. Yep. Now he can't tell what a dead body is. Yep. What is happening in this movie? Also, the movie's inconsistent. If she, like, if he thought she was dead... They could have made a joke of him immediately going to throw up. Yes! Oh my god! That is a fantastic point. Like, it, this movie lacks consistency. Yeah, a good, that would have been a good callback to just be like, Ugh. Uh, There is one joke that I enjoy at this moment, which is they cut to a newspaper clipping, just to remind you what's going on, which is Moriarty still at large. The Queen terrified because Moriarty also said she was gonna, he was going to kill the Queen. Yeah, in seven days. And rewrite history. So this caption comes up that says, Queen terrified, Moriarty still at large, considering contacting the Lone Ranger. Yeah. Good, that, good laugh from me. Especially when you consider that, like, the theory is that Moriarty fled to America. That's yes. Funny. And the fact that they're both... Razzie movies. Yeah, they're both just real bad. <laughs> if, what's his name, Army Hammer showed up as the Lone Ranger in this film, I I would have applauded. Poor Army Hammer. Um, so then they have, like, Grace has gotten Watson's telegram, and they go out on, like, a double date to the park. Yeah. For the- some veiled, crappy political commentary. Because Grace and Millicent are American, Yes. And they bicker about America versus England. Yeah, because they elect their leaders. And Holmes says something like, Yes, uh, but what if you were to elect, like, an orange tyrant? Yeah. I forget the exact line. But, like, very, not even close to thinly veiled political commentary. And here, here is my, my opinion on this. Trump jokes don't work in movies because if I were to turn on the TV tonight, I would have three, I'd have at least four or five different channels I could turn to to get new Trump jokes about what is currently going on. Yeah. Like, Trump comedy is at the ready Wherever I want to go, whether I want to watch Colbert or The Daily Show or Jimmy Fallon, I, I'm sure I'll have some Trump humor. 
to do it in a film, you got to do it in its like vaguest, easiest way. Mm-hmm. And it's just jokes everyone has done already. Yeah, like the best presidential joke that ages well is from your favorite movie. It's from Back to the Future when they say Ronald Reagan and Doc Brown goes, The actor? Yeah. Because it's a joke that worked then and then works 30 years later when all you know about Ronald... Like, a kid now, all they might know about Ronald Reagan is that he was an actor and then he was the president. Yeah. That's all, like... And it's clever, which this movie fails at. So then, Holmes... Um, Watson is arrested. Well, first, there's a montage of them trying to appear manly. To impress the women. Yes. So they do cocaine. Right. And the entire joke is that they're on cocaine. Yep. Because uh, cocaine was a thing back then, and people just did cocaine. Yes. Uh, Then, I forget who it is... Oh, no. Before Watson gets arrested... He goes to talk to the guy in the library, whose house. His brother, Mycroft, yes. I, for some reason, did not take notes on the Mycroft scene. Um, So the casting's a little bit of a gag. Yeah. The casting's kind of a smart gag. Hugh Laurie, of house fame, plays Mycroft Holmes. Now, in the much better Robert Downey Jr. movies, Stephen Fry plays Mycroft. And Fry and Laurie are a very famed comic duo in England. Oh, okay. Yeah. They worked, like, Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie worked together quite a lot. Interesting. So it's a kind of a good gag. All right. So... So the casting director was funny. Yeah. Somebody got it. Yeah. Good job, casting director. And they they have a psychic conversation. Yes. Because they can just, like, just through facial expressions know exactly what they're trying to infer. And John C. Riley tries to do it. Yep. I'm sorry. Watson tries to do it. And then he gets taken to the sidekick room. Yes. Which is like full of monkeys and birds. Yeah, the companions room. Which is funny. <laughs> yeah, like it's, you know, the kitty table. Yeah, it's a decent bit. Uh, it's a shame they didn't have like a solid reference in there. Yeah, like that's where you put like, you know. Amy Pond. That's who should have been in there. Do you really think that would have been, like, for this movie, do you think that would have been a big enough reference? I think it would have been because it's Sherlock Holmes, they're in England. Like, to have a British... It's called the Companion Room. Yeah. Like, that's the number one Doctor Who companion I can think of, is Amy Pond. So to just have Amy Pond sitting there would have been great. I mean, Martha Jones is the best companion, uh, but I digress. I think that's a place you could have put, like, I'm just, like, I'm trying to think of a good example. I keep uh, thinking for this movie, this is where they could have put, like, Short Round from Indiana Jones. Like, something. Whoopi Goldberg from Ghost. Uh, Yeah, apparently they're going to that well. Like,. Or, like, just straight up had somebody in a little superhero outfit. Yeah. It would have fit this movie. Yeah. It's just, uh, wasted potential. Yeah. Like, so much of this film. So, his house tells him, basically, 
for someone to be able to do what they're doing, it has to be someone in your inner circle. And thus, Holmes deduces that it's Watson. Because it's the only person who knows him and his habits well enough. And Watson gets arrested. Yes. Uh, Grace and Millicent are furious and they don't forgive Holmes. Right. And then um, we get another newspaper sequence. It's like, Watson did it. Watson's going to hang. Right. Now, this is an important moment. Yes. Uh, Actually, before we get to the important moment, there's a song. Well, we first get to uh, Holmes reading Watson's diary. And Watson, you know, talks about how great Holmes is. And Holmes, for the first time since childhood, begins to cry. Yes. And then, following musical theater law in a way cop rock does not. True. In a time of heightened emotion where words fail, music. Yeah, they sing a song. The song is... Approaching decent? Yeah, it's not memorable in any way. No, but, like, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell are good enough that it's enjoyable and decent to watch in the moment. Mm-hmm. And Millicent is funny in the moment as well. Yes. Because they have her voice dubbed in. So the song happens. Like, I don't have anything really to say. Uh, Millicent sings about lo- Like, the whole point of the song is that it's... About love. Right. Um, they do the kind of like, you know, early to mid 2000s. Uh, it's a less funny version of Guy Love. Yes. That's literally what the song, as soon as I started saying it, I was like, oh, it's Guy Love, but not funny. Yep, that's a great way to put it. So then, as Watson's in jail, the real mastermind behind this. Shows up. Yeah, we don't know who it is yet. Yes. But they arrive with a piece of cake offering to help Watson escape. Now, at this moment I have a thought. Yes. This is a Sherlock Holmes movie. Mm -hmm. This is a mystery. At this point, would it be at all possible for us to figure out what is going on? I don't think so. Because what I eventually do is I decide... That it has to be the cop. Lestrade? Lestrade. Because it's the only other character. Okay. Turns out I'm wrong. But I'm immediately disappointed where I was like, there are no suspects. There are no clues. How is the Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, Lestrade as Moriarty would be a really fun twist. Because I know Elementary... Um, spoilers for Elementary if you were for some reason going to watch that. Yeah, skip ahead two minutes. Um... But Moriarty in Elementary is Irene Adler. Okay. Who is, like, she's a character in a short story called Scandal in Bohemia where she outwits Holmes. Okay. So she's, like, the only woman who's ever outwitted Holmes. Okay. So in Elementary, she is Moriarty. Okay. He doesn't realize that Irene, who I believe in Elementary he has a romantic past with, is his greatest rival. Interesting. So the idea of having a canon character be Moriarty has been done, but is still interesting. And not, okay. like, beaten to death. Okay. Um, so instead, it was... Uh, Holmes sees that the cake has left crumbs. Yes. And this is how Holmes figures out 
and cracks the case. Yes. And it is Mrs. Hudson. Yes. I don't hate this at first. Yes, because it turns out that she's actually Moriarty's daughter. Yes. But, like, he doesn't even really know her. Yeah, he's like an absentee father. So he, she's trying to gain his love by doing what he had never done. Right. And I honestly did not hate Mrs. Hudson being the perpetrator. Because Mrs. Hudson is popularly um, very put upon. Okay. Because she's Holmes' housekeeper... And Holmes is a colossal pain in the ass. Right. So, then Holmes, like, tells a group of, like, Dickensian orphans what's happening. Right. And then... They form a posse. Yeah, and then they save Watson. Well... From, like, this wheel of death. But before we get to that, the wheel of death, uh, there's a moment where there's, like, a fight scene between, Mm -hmm. like, the goons... And Holmes, these kids, and the women. Yes. And there's a part where she's like, I'm from America. And she takes out two guns and starts firing. Yeah. Because Americans love guns. Which is a fine joke. If you hadn't blown it in the beginning of the movie, where Watson shoots everybody. If you want to do the bit like, oh, the Americans are so gun-toting, why do you have a whole scene... Where Watson's firing wildly. Maybe that's how we know Grace and Watson are meant to be. No, that's no. Like, no, it's that's not an just explanation. Just to undercut yourself. Yes, is so stupid. Yup. So like they save Watson from like a spinny wheel of death and like on the Titanic. On the Titanic, and. Holmes is, like, confessing his love to Watson, and Watson's like, save me, and that's where they use their one F-bomb. Yeah. Where it's like, get me the F down. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a, it's, the best way to explain it is, it's a scene from MacGruver. Yes. Like, Watson's about to die, but Holmes is so distracted by all these other stuff that he's not untying him. Yeah. So they're on the Titanic, which is England's new, newest Marvel and the queen's on the Titanic. Everyone's on the Titanic. Like, it, they're, like, kind of, like, christening the ship and, like, showing how pretty it is. Yes. Pretty, pretty ship. And there's a bomb on the ship. Yes. Holmes tries to deduce how to do it. Mm-hmm. every How to deal with the situation. But every time he does, he starts thinking about the woman he loves. Millicent, yes. And... Like, gets distracted and just sees the bomb going off. So he can't focus because of his emotions. Yes. So is the message of this film emotions are bad? Maybe? We don't really have a good counterpoint character. Like, you would think that the whole point of the movie is, for so long, Holmes uh, buried his emotions and just learned. Now he learned that his emotions exist. The the next step in this clear story is, and he realized he's stronger because of them. Yeah. Holmes becomes a a worse person. Yep. Because of this. Yep. Stupid. Yeah, and it gives Watson the opportunity to step in, and then Watson can do the telepathy, but he's bad at it. Yeah. And then he tries to do the deduction that Sherlock does and can't do it. So he says, screw it, and yells, charge. And charges the bomb, 
And hucks it out the window in time. Yeah, which just so happens to land on the rowboat that has Moriarty's daughter on it. Yeah, which is like a good cartoon Pink Panthery gag. Yeah. Um, like it's silly, but this is a comedy. I will take that. And um, so then there's this like whole speech where you know Queen Victoria is grateful and thanks Sherlock, and Sherlock gives Watson some credit. Yes. When your loved ones are on the Titanic, thank John Watson. The Titanic will sail because of Dr. John Watson. This is way too on the nose. There's no reason to do this. There's no reason for this to be the Titanic. Like, it's for this joke. But, like, instead of having Holmes yelling that over and over again, it's so much funnier to just, as an aside, be like, Great job, Watson. If it wasn't for you, these people would have had to get off the Titanic. Yeah. Like, that is so much funnier than to repeat it screaming three times. Yeah, like, John, if it weren't for you, the Titanic never would have set sail. Yeah, because we all get it. Yeah. Like, you don't need to yell it that loud. So, then we have, the next day they are boarding the Titanic. Not yes. uh, Holmes and Watson. Yes, the the ladies. Other characters. Uh, Grace and Millie. So, Grace... Kisses Watson goodbye because that love story yes. existed. And then Holmes confesses that he wasn't in love with Millie to protect himself. Right. And then Millie drops that she was only obfuscating her disability. Mm-hmm. And she is, in fact, a doctor running an experiment on manipulating men by appearing stupid. Yes. And Holmes then says, oh, I'm also doing an experiment. And then they kiss the worst kiss ever, and they're like, ow, we're great at kissing. Yeah. That was my first kiss. It was my first kiss, too. And we've already mastered it. Yeah. Cool. And then uh, Grace and Millie get onto the Titanic, and then they bid farewell to one other passenger. Yes. They turn and say, (gasps) What? Look! It's Billy Zay! Sherlock? (laughs) Wow. He's breathtaking. Where's the bar on this canoe? Billy Zane's like, hi, I'm doing a cameo in this movie. This cameo happens too late. Yeah. Because the moment they're on the Titanic, that's where my brain goes. Is, oh, I wonder if someone from Titanic is going to be in here. And the fact that it's not Leonardo DiCaprio means anything else is disappointing. Okay. I like that it's Billy Zane because I, to me, no, this again, they're calling back to 90s movies. This calls back to two, one 90s movie and one early 2000s movie. Because one, you think of Titanic, obviously, because it's Billy Zane. Two, I think of Zoolander. Oh, I think that's not on purpose. Listen to your friend Billy Zane. He's a cool guy. So, like, I don't know, the fact that they were like, hello, Billy Zane, it just made me think of Zoolander, too. But again, all of their references to pop culture... Their references to, like, politics and stuff are current-ish, but their references to pop culture are pretty stuck in the 90s. Yeah, it's... It's dumb. And Billy Zane gets on the boat. It should be noticed noted that, that it means that their girlfriends probably die. Um... I mean, women and children first. I'm but... gonna... I'm actually in that they were doctors and they were women. They were probably first class. They probably got on the boat. Yeah, I guess you're right. So, yeah. 
So that's uh, Holmes and Watson. Oh, and then at the end, Holmes gifts Watson a plaque that says co-detective that is like a third of the size of his plaque. Yes. And that's the film. Yep. So there's one four Razzies, including Worst Picture. Yeah. This was a box office bomb. Yeah, I don't think anyone saw it because I think the news of it being bad came out immediately. They didn't screen it for critics. And it came out over Christmas, which is an incredibly lucrative day for movie theaters. There's a reason right. a ton of movies come out right around that time. And there were reports of people walking out. I'm not surprised. Uh, there's actually whole articles of like, why are people walking out of Holmes and Watson? The big theory is that it only did as well as it did financially from people being curious about how bad it was. I uh, Yeah, because we almost saw it for yeah. this show. Uh, I'm also curious, I believe... Sherlock Holmes, the Robert Downey Jr. movie, also came out on Christmas. It did. So the idea of, like, here's another Sherlock Holmes we can go see on Christmas. Yeah, I saw that in theaters twice. Um, I saw Game of Shadows in theaters, and that wasn't even very good. Still better than this. Yeah. Um, so the budget for this movie was about $42 million. And its box office take was under 40 Like, just under 40 so this did lose a little bit of money. Um, I can't. They didn't spend a lot to market it after the trailer, because we saw the first trailer. I want to say like September, October, ahead of something else we were watching. Yes, and then it quickly vanished. I remember like one YouTube video where they did something for BuzzFeed, and then they stopped talking about it immediately. Yeah, they didn't. Um, Sony tried to sell the movie to Netflix. Oh, to just really get it out of... And Netflix wouldn't take it. Wow. Now, I want you to know that this was in the same deal in which Netflix did take the Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah. So it wasn't like they were taking great movies, and they still turned down a Will Ferrell comedy. Because yeah. the test screenings were a disaster. I mean, Netflix has some good movies. All right. If you want to see a good movie, I recommend Ocha on Netflix. Great film. Uh, I've been meaning to watch Always Be My Maybe. Um, there you go. But, because I've been reading articles about this idea of, like, the mid-budget comedy. And how it's really hurting, how, like, how expensive theaters are has really yeah. been hurting these movies. Yeah, I don't want to spend $50 to see The Big Sick. Even though I really wanted to see The Big Sick. Yeah, like, it's an expensive night out. And you're like, ah, do I want to do this or do I want to not... Do I want to wait until it's streaming? And how that's hurting these, like, smaller budget movies. And this is, like, a prime example of, like, when you finally get one that is theatrically released and it does really poorly because it's bad. Yeah. Because Netflix is picking up the better ones. Because here's another thing I want to point out. You know what came out the same year as this? Hmm. Sherlock Gnomes. Oh, yeah. So this is the worst Sherlock Holmes movie in a year where Sherlock Gnomes exists. Oh my god. They were the same year. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Let's just take a moment to be super grateful we didn't have to watch Sherlock Gnomes. I thought we would have to, so. Yeah, I'm going to be super grateful we didn't have to do that. Yeah, Sherlock Gnomes has a character billed as Mankini, so I'm really glad we didn't have to watch that. Uh, Critics derided this film for a number of reasons. But they said it was, like, shockingly incompetent on a technical level. Yeah. Was the IMDb poll quote that I couldn't reword better. 
is, quote, shockingly incompetent on a technical level. Yeah, it just fails at jokes. It fails at story. It fails at being a movie. It's also just, like, badly made. Like, it kind of looks like they made it quick and cheap. Yeah. And they made it because John C. Riley and Will Ferrell wanted to do a thing. Yes. John C. Riley was not supposed to be Watson. Really? Because that blows my theory about this film out of the water. I mean, when this movie first came into being in... Uh, this was first being talked about in 2008. Oh, damn. And uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was supposed to star in it with Will Ferrell. Really? Yeah. Um, he was supposed to be... Uh, he was Watson. supposed to be... Yes, sorry. So they were supposed to... Actually, I believe uh, Sacha Baron Cohen was actually supposed to be Sherlock. And Farrell oh. was supposed to be Watson. Oh, okay. I mean, in 2008, I would, like... Sacha Baron Cohen's star was a little bit brighter than Will Farrell's. Yeah, and, like, they match the physical descriptions a little better. True. Because Cohen is, like, tall and dark and handsome, and, like, that's what... Holmes is supposed to really be more. And Watson looks more like, you know, an everyman. Right. Hmm. Unless it's the Robert Downey Jr. one. Then Watson's hot. True. See, because my theory on this film was they were just trying to recapture Step Brothers. Because here's the thing about Step Brothers. If you pitched the plot of Step Brothers, you wouldn't cast... Will Ferrell and John T. Riley. If it was just like, it's the story, it's a comedy about uh, a family that comes together and there's these stepbrothers that hate each other. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, so we need teenagers? It's like, no, it's real funny because it's Will Ferrell and John T. Riley. They just try to do the same thing where it's like, let's do Sherlock Holmes, but it's Will Ferrell and John T. Riley, and we'll just let them do things. Yeah. But like, so much of this feels like they read the cliff notes to Sherlock Holmes without any, like, real depth in it. Yeah. Because one of the big running gags is Sherlock Holmes has not found the hat that will define him yet. Yeah. And it ends with him getting, like, the Sherlock the Holmes The Deerstalker hat, yes. Uh, but here's, like, two major problems. Uh, does he ever play the violin in this? He does not. No, no violin to be seen. Uh, and I believe the film begins with Sherlock looking at, Sherlock, at Watson and saying, Elementary, my dear Watson. Which the whole thing is, he never says that. Yep. He never says that line. So it's like, I put on my teacher pants and was like, you didn't read the book. I kind of felt that way with the scene with the cocaine. Because um, famously, Holmes is addicted to opium. Yeah. Uh, they did have the bees. I appreciated that they had the bees. They had the bees, yeah. Um, because Holmes is also famously a beekeeper. He's a really well-rounded fictional character. Yeah, he like, does he's a got lot more of... hobbies than most. Yeah, he's up there with Mario <laughs> in the amount of hobbies he has. Uh, Steve Coogan, who uh, played the one-armed tattoo artist, Gustav yes. Klinger, uh, has a really great quote about this movie. Lay it on me. I think in 20 years' time, when the dust is settled and people are able to look at Holmes and Watson objectively, I think people will say, it's still rubbish. <laughs> I like Steve Coogan a lot. Yeah, he is publicly embarrassed to have been in this film. Yeah. Go see uh, Hamlet 2. 
Rock Me Sexy Jesus. That that movie is painfully underrated. Yeah. So, like, obviously nobody ever Googled anything. Okay. With this movie, because, like, the time periods don't line up. Queen Victoria's been dead for ten years when the Titanic sails. Right. Like, it's... It just feels really lazy. Extremely. This movie feels astonishingly lazy. Yeah, it feels like they wrote half a script and were like, it's got Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. We'll be fine. Like, it, it feels like, you know, they're turning in their paper late. Yeah. <laughs> like, it totally feels like a bad book report. Yes. So, that being said, it's a stay doomed for me. Oh, it's a huge stay doomed. Except for Ray Fiennes being cast as Moriarty, you can stay tuned. But here's the big question. Yes. Should it have won the Razzie? I think so, yes. I'm going to disagree. Okay. I I said this many times where it's like, if a movie does what it's supposed to do, Mm -hmm. it's fine. This movie is a comedy with John T. Riley and Will Ferrell. It's not a good one. Like, it does, doesn't do a great job at that. But it is still that. Uh, and when I think back to the other films that we watched, mm-hmm. I think, out of all of them, the best one was The Happy Time Murder. Absolutely. That was a, a, a good, fun film that I enjoyed watching. I agree. Then I would say Winchester, I think. Yeah, Winchester... Wasn't that bad? If Helen Mirren hadn't been mm. the star, I don't think this. It would have been a forgettable horror movie. Then I would say Robin Hood, as painful as Robin Hood was, there mm-hmm. was still some action in it. Then I would put this right above Gotti, because Gotti almost isn't a movie. I dis like. I'm gonna disagree and say this movie is worse than Gotti. You say it's worse than Gotti. Gotti. Didn't feel as lazy as this movie. Gotti failed on a lot of levels, but tried. Yeah, I, I guess there's effort in Gotti. Yeah, like they tried to have a style and they tried to do a lot of things. And it had Pitbull. Mr. Worldwide. Yeah, like I, I, I genuinely think that Gotti had effort behind it and Gotti had like an attempt. This movie feels lazy all right i could i could see your argument yeah that's just i'm that's where i stand on it yeah i i would still say i'm still on on Gotti being worse uh because like there are times in this movie where the goal was to make me laugh and i did Gotti, I don't think, achieved any of the things it was trying to do. I don't know. There were times when Gotti definitely made me laugh. No, I laughed. I definitely <laughs> laughed more at Gotti. Gotti is definitely a funnier movie. Oh, my God. Just not intentional. So, that's going to do it for Razzie Month. Yeah! We finally finished Razzie Month. Six months later. What are we watching next week? <laughs> yes. It is my time, friends. It is finally the day that we are going to do the VH1 2009 masterpiece. Yes, that's right. We are going to give you the 10th anniversary retrospective of Daisy of Love. Yeah. I'm so happy. Yeah, it's happening. I'm so happy. She's really happy. Daisy of Love. I'm so happy. Yeah. Where can people find us? 
You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And where can people see us live? You can see us live at the end of the month in Washington, D.C. at Oticon. Yes, and uh, we are nearing the end of our journey here. So I want to say this. Uh, What I plan to do is after we do the final episode of Stay Doomed, there will then be a bonus mailbag episode. Yes. So if you have any questions for us that you'd like to ask us about the shows that we've watched, about us, about doing this show, please send us an email or or tweet them at us or hit us up on the Facebook. Yeah, because we'd love to answer questions. We'd love to talk more about this project and why we picked the things we did. And why we didn't pick some of the things we didn't. Yes, yeah, so reach Mostly, out it's because we couldn't find them. Yeah, that's that's a big one. Uh, if you want to talk to me about movies where Will Ferrell used to be good, remember those? I'm at TV's Noah. If you want to talk about the greatest Sherlock Holmes adaptation, The Great Mouse Detective, I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed. <laughs>